We come now to the time where I will ask you to open in your Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter 17, if you will. 1 Kings 17, for those at home, as I have been encouraging you, I hope that you do have your Bibles, uh, and I hope that you are uh, willing to open up with me uh, in them to 1 Kings 17. There is no substitute to the word open before you. I'll accept technological devices, but even so, I think that opening up the word in print is most acceptable. However, if you do not have that Bible present with you, that's okay. The word will be up on your screen in just a moment. For y'all here, there are Bibles in front of you in the pew. You can find 1 Kings in the table of contents if uh, you're having trouble looking for it. Uh, while y'all are opening to 1 Kings 17, as I mentioned, we're in a new sermon series uh, on this life of Elijah. Elijah being a prophet. He's a powerful prophet, or so people would say. I think sometimes we've got to be careful with that word. I think maybe a better way is that God is revealing himself in power through this prophet, maybe is, is the more appropriate thing to say. But nevertheless, Elijah is coming. He's an ordinary man. Uh, some would say super ordinary, right? Uh, and, and, he, and he goes into ministry in the highest of places, to uh, the place where uh, God has been thrown out. Israel, the northern kingdom, the kingdom of, uh, kingdoms of God have already split, right? Judah in the south, the faithful kingdom following after the lineage of David. And then there is indeed this kingdom that is risen in Israel uh, that is not following after God, even in their most faithful of times. And this, where Elijah is, is not their most faithful of times. And as I mentioned with the children for their children's moment for their activity while I am proclaiming the word. Uh, this story that we have before us is the parable of the lost sheep. And Jesus, if you recall, speaking to his disciples, spoke of uh, that lost sheep. Uh, there is a shepherd uh, who had 90 and 9, right? And he realized, man, I'm missing one. So he leaves those 90 and 9 and he goes and he finds that, that little sheep and he brings it home and Jesus is mentioning that there's much rejoicing in heaven for just one of God's people who comes home. We, of course, are the sheep of God's pasture. We see that in Ezekiel 34, 35, 36, and 37. And so, as we come here to this, this living example of that parable that Jesus gave, keep it in mind, because the main point is just like that parable. God is gathering his people. It's a wonderful main point. It should comfort us in the gospel, and it should also convict us of our sinfulness as we think about this endeavor of God. He is gathering his people. Let's pray, and then we're going to read 1 Kings 17, verses 8 through 16. O oh, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. This word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword wielded by the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, let it be so for us here this morning, not just here physically, but here with us, worshiping you. O oh God, you know, and O oh God, we know that you work no matter the distance. And so, Lord, bless us as we worship you through the proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is 1 Kings, starting, uh, ver chapter 17, starting in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, 
Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but this word remains forever. Thanks be to God. And now, as we open it up, recall that main point. God is, with certainty, gathering his people. Uh, there's going to be three points that I think will help us to see this uh, with clarity this morning. Uh, number one, the widow's beating heart. It's our first point, the widow's beating heart. The second is the widow's pointed finger. There's a pointed finger this morning that we're going to see. You know, when you get your finger pointed, you're like, oh, why is he pointing at me, right? The widow's pointed finger. And then thirdly, the widow's rescue. So let's dive right in in verses 8 and 9. The widow's beating heart. First of all, what's the deal with Zarephath? Why is God calling him there? Uh, Elijah, that is. What, what is Zarephath? Where, where is this place? What are we talking about? Elijah, he is a prophet called to that northern kingdom, as I mentioned before, Israel. Israel's pretty big when you see it on a map, especially compared to Judah. But as you keep going north up the Great Sea, up the Mediterranean, you'll see uh, Sidon. And in Sidon, you'll see Zarephath. It's, it's outside of the kingdom of God. It's not Israel and it's not Judah. That's the point of Zarephath and Sidon. Uh, there, there is a point being made by God to go outside of the covenant people for their faithlessness because God is going to show himself true to his people that he is gathering and nation boundaries, all of that stuff, it doesn't mean a lick to him. He is going to get his people wherever they are, whenever they are. Think about that for a second and stick with it. Uh, that's the deal with Zarephath, uh, but there's another piece as well. Uh, there's another piece about Zarephath and Zidon. Uh, it, it's actually a place where people don't care about God at all. Uh, they might kind of know him because they're on the border of Israel, but they, they don't care about God. Uh, they worship Pretty stringently, another god, one that you're used to if you have uh, done some reading in the Old Testament, Baal, right? Uh, they do Baal worship, and this is going to be a theme that plays itself out in the life of Elijah. Uh, just like in the life of any minister that you might have, uh, you know, David Setzer's ministry of almost 32 or 33 years here at Centennial will have different issues uh, that constantly come up compared to Jeremiah Thomas's, even just three and a half years of ministry, right? Uh, different tenures of God's prophets, whether in the Old Testament or in the 21st century, uh, there's going to be these things that constantly rise. And for Elijah, Baal. Baal, Baal, Baal. If I hear Baal one more time, right? That's what 
you should think about when you see the story playing itself out. The people there, they don't care. Even so, what does God say? He says it to Elijah. I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Here's the point. God is gathering his people. Even if they're outside of the people of God, and even if they don't care about God, no matter what, God is gathering his people. But do you believe that today? Do you believe it? If you do, how are you participating? How are you participating? If you believe that God is gathering his people no matter what, this is going to come up again, so don't worry. It's not like you have to answer right now. But if you do believe that God's gathering his people, how are we participating? Jesus has strong words on this. That great commission that many of you might be so familiar with. Evangelism can sound scary, right? In today's day and age especially. Evangelism. Oh, why is he going there? Why is he talking about the great commission? But... Let's let the widow's beating heart open your eyes for a second. Uh, The widow's beating heart, what am I talking about? Uh, God said, hey, Elijah, go there. There's a widow who's going to serve you. Serve you, right? In a place that is not my place, in a place that does not care about me, somebody is going to care. Wait a second, Lord, that doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense to us. But God is the king of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. He's the planner of the universe. And God always gathers his people wherever they are. And so there is a beating heart. Right? It's beating. The Holy Spirit is working. And he's working in a widow that is so far away that God has to tell Elijah exactly where to go to get her. But nevertheless, the beating heart remains, right? And and we see this all throughout Scripture. Uh, We see this in so many different wonderful ways where you think, how did they even meet? What, what is this? You know, you think about somebody like Simon the Magician or, uh, or that person walking down the road who happens to meet Philip or, 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 right? All these different people coming and gathering. The Canaanite woman, as it's mentioned, that comes and begs for Jesus. And he says, hey, faith hadn't been seen like this even in Israel, right? Oh, what's Jesus talking about? How'd that woman even know about Jesus? Why does she even care? It's because the Holy Spirit is doing his work and causing these hearts to start beating, to give us life. I'm reckoning with Ezekiel, by the way, if you're wondering why I'm using that terminology. Uh, Ezekiel tells us, the prophet that is, that the Holy Spirit, he changes our hearts of stone, that is lifeless, and, and, he, and he gives us hearts of flesh, right? that beat, that that have life, that cause us to breathe and to see and to know and to recognize and realize, right? That is what I'm talking about. And the widow has it, whether she knows it or not. The Holy Spirit most certainly knows it. And so God sends Elijah to go get her. Evangelism can sound so scary until you recognize who's the one doing the work. It's not us. Elijah's just going, and he's, he's literally asking for some bread. That was his evangelism task from God. Can I have some bread? That's it. And God works. And God does the same thing in our day and age. You would be surprised to hear some of the testimonies, maybe even in this room, of how the Lord worked in your life, let alone in your family, let alone in the church, let alone, let alone, right? Uh, it is incredible to see. And you think, there's no way except of that widow's beating heart. 
The Lord knows, and he is gathering his people. But y'all know, just like the widow, that beating hearts are almost always surrounded by suffering flesh. We live in a messed up world with bad and sad situations happening all the time. The same was true in Zarephath, and we see it with our second point. Remember I mentioned it, the widow's pointed finger, verses 10, 11, and 12. Why was that widow picking up sticks? She told us the answer. It's not because she was singing the song, right? Five, six, picking up sticks. Yeah, seven, eight, I'm going to die. I'm picking up sticks because this is the last meal. This is the last supper for me and my boy. It's over. This drought, by the way that I heard you call down, Elijah, this drought is going to kill us. This is the last supper. Suffering to the extreme, right? Imminent demise. And, and brutal, no less. Starvation. What in the world? But then in comes Elijah with what seems to be the worst timing in the world. Verse 11. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Can't you see that playing out? Have you been there? Have you ever experienced what's about to happen, right? You want a bit of bread? Do you really want a bit of bread right now from me? Really? Who are you? You coming into town? Yeah, I'll give you a piece of bread. Let me tell you some more, right? Uh, When you start to hear, you say, oh, piece of bread, but really there's something else built in. That's where we see that pointed finger of the widow. As the Lord, your God, lives, right? As the Lord, your God, lives. Elijah, right? She points that finger as she begins to have this conversation. That's verse 12. As the Lord, your God, lives. I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Have you been there? Have you finger pointed at the Lord? Have you been there? Are you there? This season, listen, I have seen quite a few, even in our own fellowship, with fingers pointed because of the destruction that's been wrought in their own families, in the workplace, in the friend groups, wherever it might be. Are you there with the widow's pointed finger? It's One thing to believe that God works outside of his own people. It's one thing to think that and to know that God works for people that don't care. But it's an entirely different thing to think that God works for people who hate him. You see it? She doesn't have any good will towards the Lord or Elijah his servant. I don't think it would be embellishing to say that she hates the Lord and Elijah, for she and her boy are about to die. And yet, God is working for them. It's the very basis of the gospel, right? That even when we were sinners, Christ Jesus died for us, Our hate and vitriol and anger 
and pride and malice and all those other yucky words that maybe you use to describe yourself even now, right? And you think, no, what have I done, right? And I know that if you have a testimony of faith and life in the Lord Jesus, when you think back one, two, three, five, ten, twenty, forty years, you know that it was much more then, perhaps even to the level of the widow's pointed finger. But Jesus came. Jesus came just like Elijah came into town, right? Uh, he took on flesh. This is God we're talking about with Jesus. And he lived this perfect life. He died the sacrificial death, right? I've been saying these same words because it's the gospel, right? And I want us to know and to be able to say it. I want to ask you what is the gospel. I want you to tell me what it is that Jesus being fully God put on flesh and lived a perfect life for you and for all those who would believe. That sacrificial death on the cross is where Jesus took all those yucky words we were just talking about. He took the widow's pointed finger and he said, point it right at me. Because the wrath of God will be satisfied in my sacrifice. And I will provide for you afterwards. Because you've got a beating heart. You are mine. And your hate, I can take. Because I love. And now you know how to love in return. It's powerful. It's wonderful. It's the gospel. And it's this very gospel that we see next, that we see playing out. Because while that finger's still pointed, right? Can you imagine it? We see our third point, the widow's rescue, 13 through 16. God is gathering his people who are scattered, uncaring, and suffering. His desire is to show himself in the fullness of his character, not only judging the unbelief of his own people, because he certainly is here, this story will go down in history, right? Everyone knows about the widow of Zarephath in Israel. Ask them even today. They know and they remember. Elijah did not go to Israel when their people were in need. God truly was revealing himself in perfect judgment of an unbelieving people. But he was also providing for those who would believe in his name. Verse 14, For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And this unbelieving, uncaring, finger-pointing widow of Zarephath did as Elijah said. Can you believe it? Showing her beating heart, her desperate but genuine faith, and ultimately her belief in this providing God of Elijah. He was no longer Elijah's God. He was also the widow's God because God gathers his people. But do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that God would really leave the 99 sheep to get that one lost sheep. We see that here. But here's the question I want to leave with you today. If God is not only willing to, but actually does, leave the 99 to get the one, when is the last time you left the 99 to do the same? Everybody loves to say, what would Jesus do? Jesus would go get the lost sheep. It's biblical. That, that's what he would do. Why are we not doing that? When, if ever, 
have you participated in such a thing? And let me just answer a few rebuttals. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody. You can meet some. You can find the lost sheep. As you pray, you'd be surprised. Sometimes uh, you pray, Lord, send me somebody that I might share the gospel with. And somebody knocks on the door. God answers prayer when we call out to him. But when have you even prayed for an opportunity to speak the name of Jesus? If you recall, last week I asked that question. When's the last time you said the name Jesus out loud? Let me follow up that question and add a clause. When is the last time you said Jesus out loud outside of the body of Christ? Whew, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. And I can tell you from personal experience, you know, this is kind of a joke and it's kind of not. You know, I'm getting my hair cut prime time to speak of Jesus. Hey, what do you do? I'm a pastor. I like to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Or do I remain quiet because I'm so nervous they're going to mess up my hair once they realize that I'm a lover of the Lord. Is my hair really worth a soul? But even I fall into fear. It's silly, right? It's kind of a joke, but not really. Not really. I, I'm not looking at y'all. I'm looking at myself. But this is who our God is. God is gathering his people. No matter what, God is gathering his people. Those 99, we find ourselves here confessing and believing in the Lord Jesus. And yet, there are the ones. There are the ones that I will never know, but that you do. It's not a church numbers thing. Though they will find themselves in church. It's not a financial thing. Though those people will give to the church. It is a baseline. Seeing who God is. Recognizing the call that we have been giving. And then wanting to do it. Because our God has changed us. From having a stony heart. That doesn't care. To a beating heart. That does care. That's the difference. And we see it here. In our word. Elijah went. At God's command to gather that sheep that was far from home. This is part one, by the way. Not to entice you and to force you to come to get the second part. But uh, he is not through with the widow. That is, God is not through. There is more to her story. As is, there is more to all of our stories. But for now, we leave the word here. God is gathering his people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you gather your people. Lord, we are the people that were scattered abroad, that you called home by your Holy Spirit through the proclamation of the word. We know that those who cannot hear the word cannot believe. And so, God, I pray that we will be the people of the word, that we will be ones with Jesus on our lips, not in vain, but in praise and worship and in indeed a non-scary evangelism. Lord, let it be so. Give us that heart of desire to gather your people in as you have called us. We know that you are a gathering God. Help us indeed to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen.